Chapter Twenty Six of Isaac Bickerstaff. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Isaac Bickerstaff, Physician and Astrologer, by Richard Steele. Chapter Twenty Six Love That Will Live. From my own apartment, December seventh. My brother Tranquillus, being gone out of town for some days, my sister Jenny sent me word she would come and dine with me, and therefore desired me to have no other company. I took care accordingly, and was not a little pleased to see her enter the room with a decent and matron-like behaviour, which I thought very much became her. I saw she had a great deal to say to me, and easily discovered in her eyes, and the air of her countenance, that she had abundance of satisfaction in her heart, which she longed to communicate. However, I was resolved to let her break into her discourse in her own way, and reduced her to a thousand little devices and imitations to bring me to the mention of her husband. But, finding I was resolved to not to name him, she began her own accord. My husband, said she, gives his humble service to you, to which I only answered, I hope he is well, and without waiting for a reply fell into other subjects. She had at last was out of all patience, and said with a smile and manner that I thought had more beauty and spirit that I will had ever observed before in her, I did not think, brother, you had been so ill-natured. You have seen, ever since I came in, that I had a mind to talk of my husband, and you will not be so kind as to give me an occasion. I did not know, said I, but it might be a disagreeable subject to you. You do not take me for so old-fashioned a fellow as to think of entertaining a young lady with the discourse of her husband. I know nothing is more acceptable than to speak of one who is to be so, but to speak of one who is so. Indeed, Jenny, I am a better bred man than you think me. She showed a little dislike at my raillery, and by her bridling up, I perceived she expected to be treated hereafter, not as Jenny Distaff, but Mrs. Tranquillus. I was very well pleased with this change in her humour and upon talking with her on several subjects, I could not but fancy that I saw a great deal of her husband's way and manner in her remarks. Her phrases, the tone of her voice, and the very air of her countenance, this gave me an unspeakable satisfaction, not only because I had found her a husband from whom she could learn many things that were laudable, but also because I looked upon her imitation of him as an infallible sign that she entirely loved him. This is an observation that I never knew fail, though I do not remember that any other has made it. The natural shyness of her sex hindered her from telling me the greatness of her own passion, but I easily collected it, from the representation she gave me of his. I have everything, says she, in Tranquillus that I can wish for, and enjoy in him, 
what indeed you have told me were to be met with in a good husband the fondness of a lover the tenderness of a parent and the intimacy of a friend it transported me to see her eyes swimming in tears of affection when she spoke and is there not dear sister said i i have more pleasures in the possession of such a man than in all the little impertinences of balls assemblies and equipage which it cost me so much pains to make you contemn she answered smiling tranquillish has made me a sincere convert in a few weeks though i am afraid you could not have done it in your whole life to tell you truly i have only one fear hanging upon me which is apt to give me trouble in the midst of all my satisfactions i am afraid you must know that i shall not always make the same amiable appearance in her eye that i do at present you know brother bickerstaff that you have the a reputation of a conjurer and if you have any one secret in your art to make your sister always beautiful i should be happier than if i were mistresses of all the worlds you have shown me in a starry night jenny said i without having recourse to magic i shall give you one plain rule that will not fail of making you always amiable to a man who has so great a passion for you and is so equal and reasonable of temper as tranquillus endeavour to please and you must please be always in the same disposition as you are when you ask for this secret and you may take my word you will never want it an inviolable fidelity good humour and complacency of temper outlive all the charms of a fine face and make the decays of it invisible we discoursed very long upon this head which was equally agreeable to us both for i must confess as i tenderly love her i take as much pleasure in giving her instructions for her welfare as she does herself does in receiving them i proceeded therefore to inculcate these sentiments by relating a very particular passage that happened within my own knowledge there were several of us making merry at a friend's house in a country village when the sexton of the parish church entered the room in a sort of surprise and told us that as he was digging a grave in the chancel a little blow of his pickaxe opened a decayed coffin in which there were several written papers our curiosity was immediately raised so that we went to the place where the sexton had been at work and found a great concourse of people about the grave among the rest there was an old woman who told us the person buried there was a lady whose name i did not think fit to mention though there is nothing in the story but what tends very much to her honour this lady lived several years an exemplary pattern of conjugal love and dying soon after her husband who every way answered her character in virtue and affection made it her deathbed request that all the letters which she had received from him both before and after her marriage should be buried in the coffin with her 
these i found upon examination were the papers before us several of them had suffered so much by time that i could not only pick out a few words as my soul lilies roses dearest angel and the like one of them which was legible throughout ran thus madam if you would know the greatness of my love consider that your own beauty that blooming countenance that snowy bosom that graceful person return every morning to my imagination the brightness of your eyes hath hindered me from closing mine since i last saw you you may still add to your beauties by a smile a frown will make me the most wretched of men as i am the most passionate of lovers it filled the whole company with a deep melancholy to compare the description of the litter with the person that occasioned it who was now reduced to a few crumbling bones and a little moulting heap of earth with much ado i deciphered another letter which began with my dear dear wife this gave me a curiosity to see how the style of one written in marriage differed from one written in courtship to my surprise i found the fondness rather augmented than lessened though the panegyric turned upon a different accomplishment the words were as follows before this short absence from you i did not know that i loved you so much as i really do though at the same time i thought i loved you as much as possible i am under great apprehensions lest you should have any uneasiness whilst i am defrauded of my share in it and cannot think of tasting any pleasures that do not partake with me pray my dear be careful of your health if for no other reason but because you know i could not outlive you it is natural in absence to make professions of an inviolable constancy but towards so much merit it is scarce a virtue especially when it is but a bare return to that which you give eh, me such continued proofs ever since our first acquaintance i am etc it happened that the daughter of these two excellent persons was by when i was reading this letter at the sight of the coffin in which was the body of her mother near that of her father she melted into a flood of tears as i heard a great character of her virtue and observed in her this instance of filial pity i could not resist my natural inclination of giving audience to the young people and therefore addressed myself to her young lady said i you see how short is the possession of that beauty in which nature has been so liberal to you you find the melancholy sight before you is a contradiction to the first letter that you heard on that subject whereas you may observe the second letter which celebrates your mother's constancy is itself being found in this place an argument of it but madam i ought to caution you not to think the bodies that lie before you your father and your mother no their constancy is rewarded by the nobler union that by this mingling of their ashes in a state where there is no danger or possibility of a second separation End of chapter twenty six read 
by Elijah Fisher.